I had uh, Darnisha include that song we sang right before I prayed uh, in light of what we're going to talk about today. It's a song that's basically um, made up of creedal statements throughout the years of our church's history, uh, the 2,000 years that we've existed. Uh, different uh, groups of uh, councils have gotten together and they've basically written down or, or summarized for us the things that we believe as Christians. And someone, you know, in recent years took a lot of those statements and penned that song for us. We sing it all the time around here. It's a great reminder of the fundamentals of our faith, the faith, the foundations that we're building these Christ lives on. And I had us sing that today because as we uh, enter into the second chapter of John's first letter, uh, John writes uh, five of the books in your New Testament, the Gospel of John, uh, and then three epistles called First, Second, and Third John, clever. And then uh, finally, the last book in our Bibles is called Revelation or The Revelation. And uh, he, he pens all of those, and these particular epistles or letters that he writes, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, are written to some churches that he was instrumental in beginning in a place called Ephesus, probably, is what most scholars believe. Uh, and, and so he's writing them with encouragements and certainly with admonishments. And his, his, uh, his warning today, his, uh, his Danger Will Robinson statement, what show was that? That was a show from, oh, there we go, okay. Um, is this, he says in verse 24, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. He's basically gonna say this in different ways throughout this little portion of the, the letter. He's like, hey guys, dance with who brung you. Don't forget who we are. He has to say this because in these particular churches, there's some false teachers who have, uh, you know, come to prominence. They're eloquent in their presentations, and their presentations are entirely false. And, and they are leading this, uh, this group of churches near Ephesus away from the foundations of the truth that they were built on and into things that have little to nothing to do with Jesus. Today's message is about sticking to the basics. And we're going to talk about uh, this walk. We've been calling this series Walk This Way. Yeah, that's what we're calling it. Anyway, uh, uh, and last week we talked about Walk the Line. Did anybody else sing Johnny Cash all week long? I woke up to every cup of coffee in the morning going, because you're mine. Anyway, uh, but uh, um, we talked about walking the line. We're going to talk about this walk in a different way today. We're going to talk about walking by sight. We, we need to watch where we're walking. Anybody here who has uh, been gifted with the, the ability to see, do you keep your eyes open when you're walking? We're all grateful that you do, Right? If you're not looking where you're going, you're not going to go where you're going. Now, you're going to end up in bad spots and in all kinds of crunches. Uh, and, and so sight is important to this walk that we live. Now, we, we understand from Paul, he wrote this letter to the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. He says, uh, we walk by faith and not by sight. Anybody heard that one before? That's a, it's a Christian staple, and certainly it's true. Uh, we, 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 we believe even if we haven't seen, uh, it, it says in, in Hebrews uh, chapter 13, we, we, we believe even not uh, having every question answered. So it's by faith that we walk and not by sight. But, but certainly other parts of scripture would say, hey, make sure you see where you're going. Make sure you understand what's up ahead so you can know which way to turn, how to stay on the line that we talked about last week. We live in a world that has um, taken truth and reduced it uh, to whatever you're sincere about. 
Uh, like tolerance rules, unless you don't agree with me, and then I'm intolerant of your whatever. Anyway, uh, uh, but, but uh, you know, as long as you're sincere about what you believe, uh, you're right. Like, has anybody ever heard this when someone, you talk to someone about your faith in Jesus? Oh, if that's what works for you, I'm so happy for you that that works for you. Has anybody heard that before? And they talk about our faith or our truth in terms of all the other options out there that are, you know, true, and, and they all work, apparently, according to these folks. They're like, hey, I believe what I believe, you believe what you believe. There's a problem in that, though. Philosophy says if there is one objective truth, there can't be all these other truths. Every other truth is false, all right? Like, uh, like gravity. Everybody agree that gravity is empirically provable? Now, you may not believe that gravity is true. Uh, please don't go and try to find out. Stay off our roof, okay? Uh, <laughs> I wasn't really clear on gravity as a kid. I had this uh, toy that had a parachute on it, like a G.I. Joe with a parachute, and I thought, oh, it's good for G.I. Joe, it's good for G.I. Mark, and so I grabbed a garbage bag, okay? <laughs> like a lawn bag, and I went up on the roof of my house, unaware of gravity and its properties, and I jumped off. Garbage bag did not fill with air, did not break my fall. Fortunately, I landed in the bushes, uh, and I kind of rolled out, and it was the last time I got on my roof, people. I don't play parachute anymore. Are you with me? Because I learned that there's certain truths that doesn't matter what you think or believe before them. They're just going to function the way they do. It's, it's like going to class. Anybody, uh, um, you know, uh, I used to like English class because it had essay questions. And if I could just, you know, fake like I knew the answer long enough, I felt like maybe she'd give me credit. Has anybody had that teacher? Like he wrote a whole paragraph. Let's give him something. I don't know what he was saying at all, but let's give him something. But you go to math class or science class, no essay questions. And if you went to your math teacher in second grade and said, hey, with all my heart, sincerely, I believe that two plus two equals cat. And just so you know, I know two plus two is five. I totally know that. I'm kidding, it's three. No, I'm kidding, it's four. But if you went to someone and you said, sincerely, in my heart, I believe that two plus two is cat, that teacher still has to cross off that answer. It's not right. In the same way, when it comes to belief systems, we have been given a system that says we're not on par with the other systems. In fact, we are the only truth. When Jesus said uh, who he was to his disciples, he said it emphatically. He said, I am the way the truth, big T, and the life. And no one gets to God. No one understands God, connects with God, has relationship with creator God except through me. So all the roads don't lead up the mountain to the same place. None of the other truth claims are true. They're false. That's what we have in this life with Jesus. And yet... Uh, we live in a world that rejects that. We live in families where family members reject that. It's lonely sometimes being a Christian. We're the weirdos. You know, people can't understand why we hold to what we hold to. Uh, the world outside persecutes us. Sometimes the, the church within has these slight deviations away from things. And all of a sudden, those slight deviations become greater doctrines which turn into cults and all kinds of craziness. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of battles for the minds of those uh, sitting in this room listening to me online. 
And so it is that when we walk this life with Jesus, when we commit to the foundations of our faith, we've we've got to walk with our eyes wide open. We're going to learn three things today from John. The first one is this, that we need to walk, and we got motions today. Miriam, we got motions. I know you love them. Here we go. Give me some eye poppers there. Bug them out. You got to walk with your eyes wide open in weariness. Say, wide open in weariness. No, some of you did it. Thanks for doing it. Cool. The next thing that we're going to learn is you need to walk with clear-eyed discernment. Say, clear-eyed discernment. Yeah, here's our motion for that. It's the windshield wipers. Right? Got to clean that windshield off and make sure you're seeing things accurately. What's the first one? Wide-eyed awareness. Clear-eyed discernment. And the last one's going to be maybe a little confusing when I say it at first. But it's, it's a part of what we need to do with our eyes. Now, even as we walk with wide-eyed awareness and with clear-eyed discernment, we need to have these moments where we have closed-eyed focus. Remember do that? You know, like you walked in here this morning and you couldn't remember that person's name. So you went, hey, bro, hey, lady, hey, sister. If someone said that to you today, they don't know your name. That's what's happening. <laughs> Everybody gets that right now. And you might have been in a life group with them for 20 years. For that moment, didn't know your name. I can't tell you how many times I hang out in the lobby, I say hi to you, and I run back to my office, and I get on our little Fellowship One database, and I was like, who did I just talk to? I know their last name. Oh, Rachel. Anyway, all right. Uh, uh, <laughs> when, sometimes when you forget, do you do this? Do you close your eyes? Just give me a second. Oh. And what are you doing with your eyes closed? Scrolling. Running through all those memories of that person, hoping, you know, something pops where you get Matt. Oh, it's Matt. Oh, hi, Matt. How you doing? Right? But you can't do that in front of them. You can't be like, hang on a second. <laughs> Inappropriate in social interactions. But appropriate when it comes to all the alternative truths that the world brings at us. Sometimes you just got to shut your eyes to that stuff and focus on what you, what you have, the fundamentals of this faith. Those are the three things that John is going to write to his readers today, the three things he wants us to get, wide-eyed wariness, clear-eyed discernment, eyes closed, focus. Hmm. Let's talk, uh, start with the first one there, walking wide-eyed wariness. Uh, start with verse 18 in, in 1 John chapter 2 where it says this, children, John uh, uh, lovingly speaks to his friends here in this church. He's, he's like their spiritual father. He calls them his kids. And, but he says, children, <laughs> it is the last hour. And as you've heard, the Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. Now, some of you might be kind of new to the church. You're like, what? Last hour? Uh, the, the, the Bible writers of the New Testament uh, love to talk about last days or the last hour. And some have actually taken this phrase and, and used it uh, against us in arguments. They said, listen, those early Christians were so certain on the imminent return of Christ that they talk about everything in terms of, you know, his coming, his, his, these last days, this last hour. And since he hasn't arrived in the last 2,000 years, it, it verifies that, that this faith is false because uh, they expected him to arrive and he hasn't yet. Uh, okay, I think there's a, a fairly easy way to explain this. They're, they're taking a, a more literal stance on last hour and last days, and they don't understand that, that God is basically speaking in terms of a grander or more general timeline, all right? 
So if you did a timeline of your life, it'd be child, childhood, you know, adolescence, adulthood, various phases, and there'd be all kinds of, you know, points of interest there. Uh, certainly God knows every hair on our head, everything that's happened in our lives sovereignly, omnisciently. He has everything under control and sees all things. But if you want to boil down existence as a timeline uh, to its very basest and most basic elements, creation starts the timeline. You with me? Okay. And then uh, somewhere early in creation's uh, history, uh, there was the fall of those who were created in God's image. So sin comes into the world, right? And then things kind of fast forward uh, through the Old Testament uh, and lots of prophecies are given about the arrival of the Messiah, the Son of God. So Jesus, Christmas, arrives on earth and then Jesus dies, Good Friday, and Jesus resurrects on Resurrection Sunday. And, and those years would also appear on the timeline of creation, fall, and Christ, right? First coming. And then if you just want to kind of close out this timeline in its most basic and general sense, there's one last end of it, his return, the second coming of Christ. And between the first coming of Christ and certainly uh, the, 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 uh, the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church, that time between, you know, Acts 1, Acts, uh, Acts 1-8 and, and uh, Acts 2, and then uh, the arrival of Jesus at the end is called the last hour, the last days. We're in the last days. How's it going? Like Jesus might come back Wednesday. Who's ready? Anybody ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Some of you are like, I don't know, man. I got lightning tickets Friday. I was hoping to get to that game. <laughs> hey, listen, as great as things are here on earth, they pale in comparison. They don't even begin to compare to what we're going to experience for eternity in heaven with our God. Is everybody with me? So, Lord, come. Let's get out of here. But until he does come, we live in the last hour, the last days. Now, these last days, these, this last hour is marked by certain things, the appearance of the Antichrist. John says, and so it is that the Antichrist is, is here. There's, there's Antichrists, he says in the next sentence, that, that are right in your midst. And so let's talk about Antichrist. Certainly the Bible talks uh, about um, the way things will end in the book of Revelation, which John also wrote. Uh, it talks, uh, Jesus talked about this. He said that there would be a, a pseudo-Christ, a false Christ, uh, who would come in the end of, of things. Um, uh, Paul refers to him in the, the letter to the second letter to the Thessalonians as the man of lawlessness. And, and, uh, and John is the only one of the biblical writers who actually uses this word antichrist. None of the others uh, adopt that phrase to describe um, either this person who, if you've ever studied that, uh, most biblical scholars believe there's going to be at least uh, maybe a personality who is the Antichrist or, a, or an ideology that is representative of uh, an anti-Christian movement that's coming in the end of uh, the literal end of things. Uh, and that's not who Paul's talking about. Excuse me, John wrote First John, just so we're clear. Uh, but that's not who John's talking about. He's saying there's like these JV Antichrists right? Like these early uh, types uh, of, of antichrist who come. And an antichrist just basically means against Christ, uh, just against his teachings, against who he was. Um, so John says in verse 18, hey man, uh, it's the last hour. Antichrist is coming. And even now there's antichrists among us. That's how you know it's the last hour. Verse 19, Here's what he says about the particular antichrists in the context of his reader's world. He says, they went out from us. And, and that's because they were not of us. What did he just say? 
He's like, hey, these false teachers, they were at the ribbon cutting for this church. They've been hanging out with us for a long time. And, and they've adopted these new ideas. Now, they aren't new to them because they've always thought them. It's just they kind of played along with the rest of us while they were thinking these things. And so they, they looked like they were a part of us, but they, they never were amongst us in our faith. Now, the Bible talks about sheep's, uh, wolves, pardon me, in sheep's clothing. Anybody heard that one? Yeah, that, that's kind of what a false teacher is. He looks like a sheep, baas like a sheep, Right? hangs out with the other sheep, but he's really a wolf because he's never really adopted the faith of a sheep. So John says, yeah, that's who we got here. These false teachers went out from us. They were a part of us, but they were never really a part of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. They would have stuck with the foundations of our faith and not strayed into what they think now. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us. Yeah, go through the 2,000 years of histories, uh, of the church, and there's all kinds of um, historical figures in the early uh, first century church and right up till now who, who uh, started out believing what we believe and, and took a hard left or a hard right into things that aren't what we believe at all. Uh, in this particular church, the, uh, the, the, the false teachers, as we keep reading, are going to kind of be identified as those who deny that Jesus is the Christ. We'll say that in here in a few verses. And the reason they did that is they were steeped in Greek philosophy, which told them that the spirit world and the material world or the flesh world cannot mingle. And so this idea of a Jewish carpenter named you know, Jesus of Nazareth um, being the actual son of God, it just didn't jive with what they'd always believed as Greeks. They were what uh, the, the, the movement was called docetism or docetism and, and basically they were docetic in their thinking. They were dualists. They believed that flesh and spirit didn't mingle. So they'd played along for a while, but now they were saying very adamantly, Jesus cannot be who he says he was because the spirit and the, the flesh cannot mingle in the ways that Christians believe they can. Now, it's pretty easy for a spiritual hero to become a spiritual zero just by teaching the wrong things. Uh, I was uh, considering whether or not to become your pastor uh, some 18, 19 years ago in the process of uh, transitioning from where Eleanor and I were working in Dallas. We had a couple opportunities. One was here, uh, and the other one was at a church uh, in Michigan uh, whose uh, pastor was a very, at the time a very well-known speaker, uh, a dynamic teacher of God's Word. And, uh, and I was going to go there, and kind of while he was out doing his national ministry stuff, I would kind of hold down the fort at the church uh, that he was the pastor of. It didn't work out, gratefully, uh, because I got to come here and hang out with you guys. What's up? And then uh, secondly, uh, a few years after, you know, all of that kind of had happened, um, this guy started writing some books. And in his books, he started saying some things that everybody in the Christian world was like, what? Like in one book, he basically said, you know what, there's no such thing as hell. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said. He says, God's love is so strong, he'd never condemn anybody to hell. This is called universalism. Okay, it's one of those false truths. Now, we, we don't believe that there is no consequence for the sin, that God's love, while it is amazing, uh, just covers over every sin because it, it just basically annihilates everything that is our faith, that Jesus comes and dies because sin does cause consequence. It has to be forgiven. We must be purified through faith in Jesus Christ. So if no one needs a savior because hell isn't real, we got a problem in the faith, are you with me? 
And so when this guy started kind of fomenting this idea, people were like, wait a minute. And it's gone from there. And I would have been working there. And I would have been, you know, had to say, hey, wait a minute. I don't, I don't, I got to go. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't agree with this at all. But that's how someone who is so useful in the body of Christ can be someone so dangerous. Here's how I'll close this part out. When we walk, we need to walk with wide-eyed wariness. So whether we're reading a book or we're watching a podcast, you can't watch a podcast, watching a video on YouTube, listening to a podcast. Now whether we're sitting in a a room like this and listening to someone preach as we visit a church, uh, we need to be constantly aware and wary of things that are not our truth. I went to a, a security training here once, and one of the things that they taught you at the security training is sit where you can see the door. Anybody do that when you go in a restaurant? Eleanor and I, we always get to a booth and she just waits because she knows I kind of have to be like, all right, where's all my exits? I'm sitting here, and then I sit down. I'll pull out her chair at one of those fancy ones where she's going to sit, right? Just so you know, guys, I'm not an animal. But I'll always pull a chair out where sure her back's to the door so I can see the door. I do that because if anything does go down, I want to be able to grab my wife and bravely throw her under the table as I, you know, yeah. <laughs> I pray that's what's going to happen. But yeah, it's, uh, in, in football uh, world, it, it's, it's called this, keep your head on a swivel. There's people out there on the other team who are just going to try to knock your block off any chance they get. And so especially if you're playing defense, there's huge men uh, running as fast as they can to put a block on you that might end your day. And so you've got to be able to avoid those things. you just got to keep aware, and it's the same thing in the Christ life. If we're going to walk with Christ, we have to know what we believe and keep our eyes open for what is not what we believe. That's going to require us to have clear-eyed Discernment, that's where he goes next. Walk in clear-eyed discernment. Look what it says in verse 20. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. So uh, that, that word but there is, uh, is, in, is in an emphatic place in the Greek sentence. So basically John says, hey, but, and there's a bunch of antichrists amongst you, right? There's a bunch of people who are teaching some mess, and uh, uh, they're not of us. They never were of us. Uh, and I want you to know, But you, you have been anointed by the Holy One. And because of this anointing, because you have been, you know, uh, uh, rubbed off on by the God who abides in you, that's what anointed means, rubbed off on, uh, you have all that you need from God to be able to discern what's true and not and choose and follow what's true. Uh, This word anointed gets thrown around in the church a lot depending on what tradition you grow up in. It's not something that we say a lot in our common day vernacular. Um, It's a word that, like I said, means uh, to to rub on or to to rub into. Uh, It's the Greek word creo. Everybody say creo. So from creo, we get all these other words. Like this, uh, this, this word here in this verse, that you've been anointed by the Holy One, is uh, chrisma, which means anointed. It, it comes from, uh, or, or another word that's associated with creo is Christos, which is Christ. You know, Jesus' uh, name is not Jesus Christ. It's not like, you know, Mark Saunders. Jesus is his name, all right? His title is Christ. He's the anointed one. Jesus, the anointed one. 
We as Christians are Christoi. So whenever you think of yourselves as a Christian, don't think just Christ follower, which you are, you should be. But in the actual Greek of our name, it is, we're the, the anointed ones. Christ followers are the anointed ones. Now, anointing has all kinds of, uh, uh, you know, aspects and, and, and certainly lots of great things that go into it. But it's principally this. We have been indwelled, it says in Ephesians, by the Holy Spirit. We have been, uh, God's presence, if you will, has been rubbed into us in such a way that he is us and we are him. And we are together in life. He abides in us, we abide in him. And so wherever we go, if we're Christians, we bring him with us. The Spirit goes with us. And here's why that's important. Even if you don't uh, logically or, or uh, you know, uh, mentally understand all of the lies that are being perpetrated around you, something inside your spirit says, wait a minute, this doesn't sound right. Ever been in that situation? Where someone's talking their beliefs and their system, and, and maybe you know some of the things that they're saying are, are you know, uh, uh, you know uh, uh, mentally not jiving with what you've understood our faith to be, but then they're saying some stuff, and you're like, I don't really know about that, but something inside of you is like, I don't think that's right. Do you know who that is? That's your God being like, nope, that's not it. That's not us. We need to get out of this church as fast as we can. We need to find a different spot. Isn't it great that God invests himself in us? John says later in this book, in chapter four, that by this we know that we abide in him, 413, and he in us. It's because he's given us his spirit and his spirit shows up in how he lives. Jesus talked about his spirit being given to us when he was speaking to his friends in John's gospel, chapter 16. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all what? All the truth. He'll point your canoe in the right direction. John says, I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. Even if you don't know it, the Spirit will reveal it to you because no lies of the truth. The Spirit acts uh, for us uh, kind of like a TSA agent. Anybody been through TSA lately? This is my United States passport ID card. They come now with your passports, and I use this sometimes when I go up to uh, TSA agents. They're not used to seeing these as much as your driver's license and stuff like that, so I get comments every once in a while. But my picture's on there. It's a good one, right? And, uh, but let's say, uh, Orpha, you're here twice. Way to go. She made it both services. You'll be my example again. Let's say I forgot my passport card, and Orpha's behind me in line, and I say, Orpha, quick, give me your license. And so Orpha hands me her license, and I walk up to the TSA agent, and I, she, you know, put your phone down for the tickets, you know, scan, and then uh, can I see your ID, please? And I hand him Orpha's ID. Would anybody be disappointed in our government a little bit if they let me through? Who would be disappointed? If they saw Orpha Lopez on my ID and they let me go onto that plane, we got some problems. Everybody with me? Yes, because TSA, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, people who take your money at lunch today, maybe they'll do it out here at the food trucks. Anybody ever been in this situation at the cash register? Hang on a second. Anybody ever seen this one? You know what they're doing, right? They're, they're looking to see watermarks and that little strip in there. Sometimes they even have that cool marker, right? They'll take your 20 and they'll be like, I'm like, why are you right? I guess that's some secret pixie dust or unicorn dander. I don't know what's going on in there. Uh, but it, you're able to tell if a bill's for real by, by and, and okay, so yeah, we're all picking up hopefully what I'm putting down. The spirit in you 
is your spiritual TSA. When, 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 when someone holds up the identification of some false truth, the spirit within you, and certainly we should all come and try to figure out this stuff as best we can on a mental level with me. Are you with me? That's why we hang out at church, George. We hang out at church because we're trying to learn this stuff so that when the lies come, we're like, that ain't it. So keep coming and hanging out, but, but be encouraged, even if sometimes you're confused and not sure, is that it? The spirit in you will look at that idea and be like, well, that's not getting through. The spirit in you will hold up those truths to his light and be like, well, that's not real. Be encouraged, but be aware. Have discernment, clear-eyed discernment. John explains a little bit of what I've already said. He says in verse 22, who is the liar who, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. That was the big light. The, the Antichrist is, is the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. And when he does, he denies the Father and the Son. He makes a very strong statement there. If you lose Jesus, you lose any tie to the Father. Without Jesus, there can be no relationship with the God who created all things. Verse 23 says, no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. If you're wondering this, if this first letter, letter uh, uh, did the trick, it didn't. Because <laughs> he writes in his second letter, you know, some time after uh, the first letter had been sent, uh, these words in verse seven, he says, for many deceivers has, have gone out into the world, uh, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. They deny that Jesus in, in human form could be who he said he was, and such a one is a deceiver in the Antichrist. This thing kept going, it kept per pervading in, in, the, in the churches that John was writing to. And so it's so crucial then and now that we live with wide open wariness, and with clear-eyed discernment. The last thing is this, we need to walk with eyes closed, remembering the truth that we have. If you ever come in here on a Sunday and um, you're hanging out down here near the front uh, where I typically sit before I walk up on the stage, you'll probably see me, first of all, sitting down. That's because you've been sitting down for the whole time I've been standing up. Okay, so I'm just gonna rest a little bit. That's, you know, step one. But the other reason that I'm sitting there and not standing up and singing with y'all is that um, I'll typically be sitting there with my eyes closed. And here's what's happening behind my closed eyes. Um, first of all, I'm listening to you sing. You sing so beautifully. Thank you for lifting up the praises to God. It's just fun to sit and do that sometimes. Now, this is a little, you know, I didn't say this last service. You need to sing more. I'm talking mostly to the fellas. Dudes, open your mouths and sing your praises to God. Okay, that's manly. I don't know what you think manly is. You just kind of stand there angry looking, waiting for it to finish. Relax, brother, okay? Go ahead and let a song slip out of your face. I know as soon as you get into your GTO, you're gonna be cranking whatever butt rock you got in there and singing it at the top of your voice. So don't tell me that you don't sing. Just get in here and sing them. Are you listening to me, fellas? I love you, I'm one of you. Let her rip. Are you with me? Okay, back to the sermon. So I listen to you sing, and it ministers to my soul. I love hearing the voices of God's children sing his praises, right? Another thing that's happening is I'm praying because I'm about to preach God's word. That is weighty stuff. I don't take this for granted. You think, oh, he's having fun up there. And it's true. I think this is what God gifted me to do, but I'm terrified every Sunday of getting up here and saying something that would not be in line with his spirit. 
Lord, I don't want to say what I want to say. I want to say what you want me to say. So I'm praying for that hard. But here's the other thing that's happening. I'm sitting there, just like you did before speech class in high school, and I'm trying to remember what I'm saying. Right? Because you might think talking for 45 minutes is easy. Okay? It's not. And trying to keep everything straight, i got to sit there and be like, okay, this first, that first, oh, that'll be fun. Okay, this first. That, okay. And, and, and I have to order things in my head. It's the same thing that happens when you're trying to access somebody's name by closing your eyes and trying to remember it. You're trying to get everything in order in your head. And so it is, one more time, that we need to close our eyes to everything else that's going on in the world. This isn't just when it comes to doctrine. This is when the storms come. When life hits you with stuff that you don't know how it's going to turn out. What God wants you to do in those moments is head back to the foundations of this faith in him. God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond anything I can ask or think. That's foundational. And it's at the, it's at the, it's the bedrock of our being able to go on into that surgery, into our daughter's surgery, into whatever's happening in our lives. He wants us to shut our eyes, to close everything else, to get rid of anything that would influence us towards deceptive lies. And he, he, he just wants us to be like, all right, this is my script. This is my story. This is my song, like the old hymn saying. That's what's happening down there. Have you ever heard someone, I can, I can do that with my eyes closed? Anybody heard someone say that? You know what they're saying. I know this so good that I don't even have to look to be able to do it. Kind of applies. We want to be so steeped in our truth, so aware that none of the lies can seep in. Look what it says in verse 24. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us. If we abide in him, we'll receive eternal life. We'll receive the life that he gives outside of this life that so many others settle for. What's the key? Abiding. It's that Greek word that John especially loves. He uses it more than any other biblical writer. He's always talking about us abiding in him and him abiding in us. Now, abide is this Greek word, meno, and it, it basically means to take up permanent residence, uh, to settle into a home. Has anybody ever called your home your humble abode? Yeah, that's from the same uh, root words for abide. You abide in your abode. It's where you set up camp. You put down your roots. That's why when John says that we need to abide in him. He's saying, listen, abide in the fundamentals. I uh, grew up playing basketball. I actually watched uh, the first games of March Badness that I've watched all through March last night. I, I, my buddy Don Akins is our security director. He's a huge North Carolina fan, and so I was kind of secretly rooting for him. Uh, if you don't know the outcomes of the games, North Carolina won. They're playing Kansas. They're who I have in the uh, finals as the winner, so I'm kind of rooting for Kansas now, Don. No offense. Uh, but as a basketball player, I love watching these guys in college and, and the pros play at high levels. I mean, they're so skilled, they're so gifted, but they started just like anybody else who plays the game with the fundamentals. 
Someone rolled them a ball, whether it was in their crib or, you know, when they were, you know, hanging out at their house or the first, you know, AAU team they belonged to or whatever. Someone said, here's a basketball. Here's the rules. When you dribble, you cannot do this. What's that called? That's a double dribble. Isn't that a clever name? I don't know why they call it that. But for some reason in basketball, as long as you're doing this, you're fine. Pass. But if you do this, run over here, and then start doing this again, every referee in the world is going to go bananas, blowing the whistle at you, and giving the ball to the other team. It's against the rules to double dribble, to travel. There's, I mean, I'm not going to go through all the basketball with you, but there's rules that this game is run by. The same is true in this life with Jesus. And here's what happens. People come to the, the fundamentals, the basics, and they say, yeah, but there's, there's way more. And sometimes there, it, it's not untrue. There's like so much more. We could never, uh, you know, uh, plumb the vastness of our God and, and the things that he has for us. I, I completely agree with that. But it's all done with the fundamentals in mind. Like no, no, no sophisticated offensive play run by the pros or a Division I college team is going to work if the guy holding the ball double dribbles, plays over before it gets started. Why? Because you offended the fundamentals. And it's the same principle that we need to bring to our understanding. Whatever we're reading or seeing online or listening to in a podcast, we've got to run it through, filter it through the fundamentals of what this faith is. So we can be able to say, hey, wait a minute, that's not us. That's not abiding in what the Son has given us. I want to abide. In Hebrews, uh, the writer of that book says in verse 1 of chapter 2, therefore we must pay closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. That's what happens if we're not, uh, you know, uh, wide-eyed with wariness, if we're not uh, clear-eyed in our discernment, if we're not, you know, on a regular basis closing our eyes off to everything else and focusing in on those fundamentals of our faith, the Bible tells us in so many different ways that we're just going to drift. There's a, a very nice floating dock uh, sitting on the edge of the shore of the, of the little, I call it a pake. It's like a pond lake that I live on. It's not, too, it's not big enough to be a lake, but it's bigger than a pond. It's a pake. Anyway, uh, it just floated into our yard. Um, I'm assuming it's someone else's dock from across the lake. It's been there for like nine days. I'm assuming it's someone else because the rope that was tying it off to whatever was tying it off on their property has broken. You can see the, the frayed uh, strands of the rope. And, and the wind has done what the wind does. It's taken their dock <laughs> from their yard and blown it in mine. And I'm looking up the Florida statute. How long, is, how, long is, how long until it's mine? Is it mine sometime soon? I don't know. Probably not. We're just holding, if that's you and you're watching right now, come get your dock. Anyway, uh, but I was, I was reading this verse and thinking about that dock, and I was like, how simple was that for this dock to go from one side of the lake to the complete opposite side, to leave its home and land in ours? It's pretty simple. Uh, it, it was just acted upon by the forces outside of it. You ever been in a boat fishing and you thought the anchor was, you know, securely set or you had the trolling motor on and, and boat, neither of them worked and all of a sudden someone yells, hey, and you're about to ram some other boat or, you know, uh, you know, wash ashore. Maybe some of the fishermen in the 
You don't know what I'm talking about. It just happens. Not paying attention. You kind of drift away. So, here's my hope for all of us, that we stay anchored, secure to the truth that we've been given. Keep coming back here. I'll talk to you about what that truth is. I'll remind you. I'll give you moments where you can just kind of close your eyes and make sure you got your script. You can go out and live it. You can go out there and, and be wide-eyed and wariness to all the lies. And listen, it's not, like I said, it's not just doctrine. Everybody understands that all kinds of things come into our lives, falsehoods that convince us I can do this and still be a good husband or a good wife. I can do this and still be a good Christian. And we talked about some of those last week. We talked about not loving the world or the things in it. There's all kinds of lies that seep into us where we start to drift. So whether they're doctrines or behavioral choices, moral implications, my prayer, one more time. Everybody with me? Wide-eyed in our weariness, clear-eyed in our discernment, closed-eyed in our focus on him. Will you stand and we'll be dismissed this morning? Lord, that's my hope for us today. Will you close your eyes and kind of focus with me on this for just a second? Lord, we know we don't have to close our eyes to pray. You can hear us if our eyes are open, but we're all closing our eyes right now because we're gonna sing this song that we sang before this sermon started. It's what we believe. And we're gonna sing it with our eyes closed because we wanna make sure that we got our script down. We wanna make sure that we are rooted in the foundations and the fundamentals of this faith in you so that when we go out into the world, I'm thinking especially of like high school students who are heading off to college, uh, college students who are heading back to college. Uh, folks who go off to, you know, uh, family dinners even today or, or back to work where, you know, there's folks who are feeding all kinds of crazy ideas into their system. Help them, Lord, by your grace to be able to discern, to be able to come against and, and to be able to in love explain what they believe to be true. Grant us that, I pray, as we sing. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the Father, we believe in the name of your Son. We align with the truths that uh, you've given us through him. We want to walk with you always. Protect us from the, the lies that would lead us away from you and cause us to drift. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Go grab some food. Look forward to hang, hanging out with you a little bit. If you need to talk, I'll be down here in the front. God bless you as you go.